Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Today's sermon is about the parable of the wheat and the weeds from Matthew 13. Um, we're, we're jumping back into the series about parables. Why doesn't God do something now? Um, and we're going to look back at the parables of Jesus and kind of like apply them to today and get some good truths out of them as parables often are good truths. Parables. What was Jesus saying all those years ago? What was Jesus saying to the people of his time? And what is Jesus saying to us today? Well, I hope after, after today's sermon, we can answer those questions, and then some. And today's scripture comes from Matthew 13, 24 through 30, the parable of the weeds, and then we skip over another parable to go to the explanation of the parable found in Matthew 13, 36 through 43. And I am uh, reading through the English Standard Version today. I was gifted this awesome set of New Testament scripture journals um, for my birthday this year, and it's been really handy um, to use. So that's why we're using ESV, because that's where it came from. Right, let's read scripture. The parable of the weeds. Actually, before we read scripture, let's pray, um, and then we'll get into it, okay? Heavenly Father, you have given us this time together to um, learn from you, to worship you, to be with one another, and to fellowship. We pray that today that the words spoken are of you, and that they ring true in our hearts, and that they cut through anything that needs to be cut through to get to the heart of the matter for us today. Open our minds, open our hearts, may your word transform us and renew us and make us better people than we were when we walked in today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, the parable of the weeds, verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned. And gather the wheat into my barn. All right, Jesus, good parable. What does it mean? Then he left the crowds. This is in verse 36, so we're jumping over to 36 now. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sows this good seed is the Son of Man. So he's referring to himself. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. 
The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. I feel like that one needs an explanation too. <laughs> like Jesus explained his parable, and then he, and then I'm like, well, can we explain the explanation of the parable? Because it doesn't really make sense. You're still talking in statements that are hyperbole, and you're still talking in statements that are metaphors to things. You're not talking necessarily in concrete things that we understand. But in Jesus' time, it was a very agrarian culture. Everything could be related to farming, fishing, and merchant work. This parable was no different, and Jesus used the farming analogy to explain the kingdom of heaven to his people. Jesus also gave us some awesome insight when he explained it to his disciples later in the chapter. Even though all of these parables happened in the same chapter, if you look throughout chapter 13, there's lots of parables, we don't know the time frame in which Jesus spoke and then explained some of them. But that's not necessarily important to the overall point of the parables. But it is interesting to note that Jesus did not just run through all these parables and then explain all of them all in one sitting. He probably did it as he was walking, as he was healing, as he was going throughout life with his disciples. <laughs> and in this case, this parable, I think Jesus is making four points. Okay? God sows the good in people's lives and the good things in this world. So that's what we're doing when we're at church. We're sowing good seeds, right? We're doing part of God's work. The enemy sows bad things and evil into this world. Alright, so all those evil things that happen, all those bad things that happen, all that crud and sin, that's from the enemy. Another point that we may not like and makes us a little uncomfortable is that the good will grow with the bad. And the fourth point is that the kingdom of heaven will have no evil in it at the end of the age. So we don't have to necessarily worry about that at the end of the age. The wheat planted and the weeds planted there also would have looked very similar to one another as they grew up in the same conditions. So they looked into like the wheat and the weeds of that time and they call one of the weeds darnel, which looks like wheat. So you don't really know it's a weed until the wheat has fully matured. And this wheat back then looks different than our wheat now. Our wheat now is very different. It's made to um, get more grain out of it. It's made to get more nutrients out of it. It's made to do all these things and it's mass produced. These would be very small plots of land with very small amounts of grain for these families and these towns and these people. The wheat, however, when it matures, 
gets heavy with the grain for the harvest. So it bows its head. But the wheat does not. It is not full of heavy grain. It is full of the seeds for the next weeds, which are not as heavy. So the weeds will stand out as the wheat matures. So what does that mean for us? As we mature, we will be seen differently. Okay? Do not worry about what the others around you look like. You will be too busy producing your own fruit to care if anyone else is doing the same thing. You may not even notice they're a weed. <laughs> However, do not judge the heads and hearts of those around you just yet. You may want to. You'll be like, well, they're not bowing their head right now. So maybe they're a weed. Maybe they're just not mature enough yet. Maybe that's what it is. God's transformative power does more than just heal a wounded wheat. Okay? So plants take care of themselves mostly, right? I mean, they need water, they need sunlight, they need nutrients from the soil, but they make their own food. That's what's so crazy about them. They make their own food. We make our own fruit with the power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We don't make someone else's fruit. We don't take someone else's fruit. We are making our own. But sometimes we get wounded, and sometimes we need to be healed. So God's transformative power does more than just heal a wounded wheat. It can take a weed and make it into a wheat. Okay? God can do more than just plant the good. He can take the bad and make it turn it into good. He's that powerful. He has that much power over the enemy. Remember, if God is the ultimate creator and the redeemer, then God can transform what is bad into good. Only, of course, this is where free will comes in, if the bad wants to be good. All right? You know how the bad is the sons of the evil one? Well, sometimes I think the sons of the evil one are literally just, you know, fallen angels and bad things like that. But sometimes they're people. I mean, all of us have been a weed at one point. Even if we were little weeds, little tiny weeds growing up in church, we had to be transformed into wheat. We're not alone in this. God knows that we have to tolerate or deal with the bad in our existence in this world. And so God decides that the end of the age is here. So this is a point that I want to make. We cannot, as much as we want to, as hard as we try, as much as we do things for it, get rid of all the sin and evil in our own time or on our own. It just simply cannot be done. Now, that doesn't mean that you're stuck in your own bad habits or sin, because if you are a wheat, you can be transformed and produce your own fruit. And that fruit comes at the expense of losing your bad habits and sin, which may hurt, but also is really good. So don't forget that. Even though it may hurt when you're producing fruit, it's a good thing. But that sin and the potential for evil will always exist until the end of the age. This is huge. 
We have often been told, thought, myself included, that we had to make this world a better place. We had to do it. It was on us. It was a part of our original commandment to be fruitful and multiply and to take care of the good servants of the earth. So sometimes we take that and we think we have to do it on our own. God told us to do that. We have no help. We must do it. We must make this world a better place. And many ideologies, many political parties, many people think this way. We all have different versions of what a better world looks like. But this is not something we're supposed to do on our own. As hard as that is to swallow, we cannot do it on our own. We cannot change society and culture to fit the kingdom in order for the kingdom to be here. We cannot force our ideologies on other people. We cannot force them into our culture. We cannot force them into our society. The weeds will always be there until the end of the age. But the kingdom people of heaven is near. Repent. Turn your lives around for Jesus. Be that wheat that produces good fruit. What else can we glean from this passage? Well, there's some bad news. That sin and evil will always be with us until the end of the church age, until the dawning of the new time with Jesus. And that we cannot directly do anything about it except grow alongside it. You could be the only wheat surrounded by all the weeds, but you still have to grow. Even though they're competing for the same attention, the same nutrients, the same sunlight, the same water. In scripture it says that God sends the rain on the wicked and the righteous. Both people get God's blessings. Some people just take it and use it for evil. Other people take it and use it for good. So what's the good news then? Well, there's more good news than bad news, so that's a great thing. We do have good in the world, and we always will. There will always be wheat, because that wheat has been sown by God, but through Jesus. And at the end of the age, we will only have good left. The bad will be taken up, bound up, thrown away into a fiery furnace and burned up forever. And another great thing that I learned from this passage that I want you to learn is that God has the power to transform the bad into good. We're not stuck with bad always. Bad can be transformed into good. Maybe that's what God is waiting for. Maybe that's what he's waiting for. Because sometimes I wish Jesus would come back. There are days when I'm like, I'm done. Let's gather my family up, sit in an attitude of prayer and worship, and just wait for Jesus to come through the clouds again. And there are other days where I'm like, no. We still got work to do. God, you still have work to do. Let's join together and get this work done. So where do we as Christians today fit into the kingdom of heaven? Well, nobody's told you today, you are a beautiful stock of wheat. Amen. You are growing, you are glowing, 
you will produce good fruit. We are growing up in the light of God's Son, in the light of Jesus, awaiting our own time of harvest. All right? We are awaiting that time of harvest. Now, how do we live with all of this information? Like, Aaron, you threw some information at me. I was like, yeah, I got a lot of it, and I got it all at once. And it's really hard to process. And especially some information which contradicts our own ways of thinking that we may have been told in the past, or we have come up with it on our own. I think that the best things that we can do are threefold. One, realize the potential difference and be tolerant of society and culture. Okay? Being tolerant is just being generalizing acceptance of things that are going on. Two, live your lives as Christians, being transformed by the Holy Spirit. Three, allow the Holy Spirit to work directly with others and indirectly through you. Don't worry about being a direct causation of someone else's transformation. That is not your job. Your job is to be transformed yourself and grow. Let the Holy Spirit allow others to do the same. It's our privilege. We get this. It's a good thing for us. And another thing I want to know, we cannot be seen stomping our feet at what goes on in the world around us and crying out against every potential sin and every evil. That is exhausting. Okay? There will always be sin and evil in this world. Hopefully, as time goes on, it's less and less as more people are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we cannot be seen stomping our feet and crying out against every single sin and evil all the time. Because that's not focused on the good work that you should be doing. That's not focused on the fruit that you should be having. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. That fruit must be evident in our lives. Not stomping our feet, not proclaiming that every sin and every evil in this world must be destroyed and by our own hands. We've tried that before. It doesn't work. It looks bad. Okay? Like, church history, look back. There are some things that happened over the millennium that are not good. That we've done to each other in the name of Jesus and that we've done to others in the name of Jesus. No, Jesus rejects those things, just so you know. He doesn't like that. We must be a people of prayer and compassion, which is a mercy moves to action for people all around us, a love that we share with other people. And let me tell you, that's hard for me. For compassion, it's not something that I'm gifted in. I would like it to be. I would like to immediately be filled with, oh no, that person needs some love and affection in a way that only God can give, and I'm the one, I'm the tangible presence for them. Sometimes my patience is worn thin, and I don't like what's going on, and I'm not necessarily happy about the situation. But that can change in you, and I know that. And I know that can change in you if you're not good at compassion. Now, if you are good at compassion, maybe you're not good at other things. Don't know what it is. 
but I hope for you that you follow the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. Because we must be a people living for Jesus under the direction of the Holy Spirit. We must not get caught up in the business of changing people just to change them. We must not think that we are alone, that we alone are powerful enough to change culture and society for God. Side note, God often just quickly stepped in and out of society and culture and didn't actually change it. He just went in and did some kind of miracle to change them, to change something. But he did not change the entire culture. Pretty sure Nineveh, when they repented, still acted differently from the Israelites, from the people of God. They were saved, even though Jonah didn't like it, because they were bad people. Those weeds can be turned into wheat at any moment, whether we like it or not. And their fruit is going to look different than yours. People will look different than you. Our lives are meant to be lived as transformation examples, not as the transformers ourselves. We are called to preach, teach, and live on the Gospels through the power of the Holy Spirit. I challenge you to read the Gospels again in a different light, thinking that even though I'm a wheat, there are still weeds. And even though there are still weeds, those weeds can be wheat. Where is that happening? How is that going on? How is the Holy Spirit working? In today's sermon in a sentence, a simple thing that I want you guys to catch. Even though there are weeds among us, continue to grow in Christ. Even though there are weeds among us, continue to grow in Christ. Because as God plants the good, the enemy has planted evil. We cannot escape the evil for now. God's transformative work will prevail over evil in the end. Okay? We will become more and more mature and stand out among the weeds without shouting or trying to stand out. Because as that wheat matures, remember, it bows its head. And the wheat's still standing up, trying to get all the sunlight from the wheat. And just as the weeds look different from the wheat, so evil will look different from the good. Even though there are weeds among us, continue to grow in Christ. Amen. Jesus said to his first disciples, as God sends me, so I am sending you, he sends us as well. But he does, but sometimes we get the idea that when he says, I'm sending you, it's like we go out there all by ourselves. Let me also remind you that when he sent his 
disciples, he said, I am with you everywhere till the very end of the age. So, he sends us, but he goes with us. In fact, he's already there. So he's basically saying, hey, hurry up and catch up. So, you were sent to go catch up with Jesus and enjoy some lemonade and pretzels on the way.